Good evening again. It is bright up here. I feel like I have the angel lights on me. So the other night, um, Kim and I watched the Kennedy Center Honors. And uh, this year, Bette Midler was one of the artists who were being uh, honored and celebrated. And as a part of the show, they had uh, Billy Porter come out and sing a medley of some of Bette's hits. And that, that medley ended with her song, From a Distance. Now that song is well over 30 years old. And I would not norm- I have used it in the sermon before, but I would not normally use it at this late stage in the game, lest I appear even more dated than I actually am. What took me by surprise, however, was the way the room responded to that song at the Kennedy Center. It was full of government officials and celebrities, it was from the president on down and all sorts of artists all over the room. I was fascinated by their response. It seemed to me that all sorts of people were drawn to this, this song. It was, a, it was a powerful, it was almost an electric moment on the stage and in the room. Right before he began to sing the song, Billy Porter introduced it by saying, God is love, y'all, and love is God. And then he sang. And in case you're unfamiliar with the song, or it's been a while since you've heard it, you don't remember it, a few, a few of the lyrics. <clears throat> From a distance, we all have enough and no one is in need. And there are no guns, no bombs, no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, we are instruments marching in a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace, songs of every man. God is watching us from a distance. A bit later in the song. From a distance, there is harmony, and it echoes through the land, and it's the the hope of hopes, it's the love of loves, it's the heart of every man. God is watching us from a distance. And what I saw happening as the song was playing in that room was a sense of unity among the people who were there. At least the people they showed on camera were clearly moved by what was happening on the stage and in the room. The part of them I could see, they all had masks on. But they were into it. And I think maybe there was something they needed or deeply desired to hear that they were hearing. There was some hope. There was some vision of what life could be. And that resonated with them. And by the end, they gave Billy Porter, and I presume also Bette Midler, a standing ovation. Only I really think it was more than their appreciation for the song that they were trying to demonstrate. I think that song touched a deep longing within all of them and within all human beings. A knowing that there is something better for which we were all made. And of course, most of us who gather to worship on Christmas Eve already know that. We know that that is true. And maybe I'm telling myself a story. I don't think so. I really sense that in some way, God was trying to speak to that room. There was present that night what C.S. Lewis called a stab of joy. A stab of joy, which in the end played a key part in leading him from being an atheist to having faith in Christ. The stab of joy. That is, if there is a beauty, if there is a desire, if there is a joy that we experience and we can't find its origin or we've never actually seen that desire played out in our lives, in our human experience, then it must tell us that there's something beyond all that we've experienced. Something for which we were made. Something good and 
beautiful and true. I did a little digging on that song. The writer of that song is a woman named Julie Gold. She wrote it in about two hours. She says that when she sat down to write it, it just poured out of her. She also tells of Nancy Griffith, who was actually the first person to record the song in the mid-1980s. She told of her experiences singing to audiences and the way the audiences responded to the song. And Nancy had traveled all over the world as well. And everywhere she went, people responded to this song. It had a powerful effect, and that tells me that I don't think I'm wrong about the impact the song, even all these years later, had on that room that the Kennedy Center honors. Or the impact it must have had for other people like me who were watching it on television the other night. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. As beautiful as that song is, as hopeful and as inspiring as that song might be for many, many people, the truth is even better. The truth is even better. The truth is even more beautiful and even more powerful. Why? Because of the truth of the season of Christmas. The truth that is captured for us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. After Joseph has been told by an angel in a dream not to divorce Mary because the child she bears is conceived of the Holy Spirit and that her son will grow up to save his people from their sins. Matthew comments in these two verses. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that name, Emmanuel, by the way, sometimes you see it spelt with an I, sometimes you see it spelt with an E. It depends on whether they're taking it from the Hebrew or the Greek. But that name, that word, Emmanuel, is a word that only appears three times in our Bibles. Three times. Twice in Isaiah, once in Matthew. But it is a powerful word. It is a powerful word because it speaks of the deepest desire God has coming to pass. It speaks of the deepest desire God has coming to pass. From cover to cover in our Bibles, what God most wants is to be with us. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. He gave Israel the law so that they would know what God expects of them and they could be with God and God could be with them. He sent prophets and priests to help them be with Him. He commissioned the tabernacle and later the temple so that He could be with His people. And so he could be with us. But all of these things were a mere shadow, a mere taste, a mere whisper of all the good things that God had planned, of all the things that God will one day bring to pass. The promise of the Gospels, the promise of Christmas is that what God most wants, what we most need, what you most need, that has come to pass. That has been made possible because God has taken on flesh and blood In Jesus, God is with us. And that is so much better than God, as many of us have often thought of God, as way up there, off in the distance, sitting on a throne in a cloud somewhere, just watching us. As Billy Porter sang the other night of God watching us from a distance, behind him on the screen was a giant picture of the earth taken by the uh, International Space Station. It was beautiful. But it was from a distance. 
The good news of Christmas is that God is not watching us from a distance. God is with us. God became one of us in Jesus of Nazareth. God became one of us in Jesus who died and rose again. God is with us still. He comes to us every day by His Spirit that lives within us and through one another. Traditionally, Christmas Eve is the, the point of contact between darkness and light. It, it is a reminder that we live in darkness, a fact of which we may be more aware, better aware than we were two years ago this evening. And it is a reminder that in Christ, in His birth, in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, light has come into the world. The, the Gospel of John opens by introducing us to someone he refers to as the Word. The Word is a translation of a, a Greek word meaning the reason. That is, the reason that gives order to creation, the, the reason that causes us to hunger for beauty and goodness and truth. The, the Word is also a word that refers, for the Hebrews, to the word of wisdom, or the wisdom of God, and God's spoken word at creation. John begins calling all this to mind. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word. And without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. The life of Jesus was light for all people, and it will not be extinguished. And from that point on, friends... The light only grows. Wherever it encounters dark, it wins. It shines. I think the reason people connected with Bette Midler's song in the past and the other night is because we know how dark it is. We know how dark it is. We know the reality of the darkness, I think, as I said, even better over the past two years. And the lyrics and the music created for those present, that stab of joy that brought C.S. Lewis to faith in Christ. So wherever you may be in your own journey of faith, if you are visiting with us tonight, or if you rarely join us online or in person, but tonight's the night you're here, I hope you'll take note of the stabs of joy in your own life, in your own experiences, that you will choose to pay attention to them because they're telling you something. Take note of them this week and in the months and the year to come. And we'd love to have you join us on our journey through the Gospel of John each Sunday morning at 1030. While it is comforting to know that God is watching us and it can be inspiring to catch a vision of the world presented to us in the lyrics of that song, the news on this Christmas Eve and always is even better. God is not merely watching us. God is with us. God is not merely watching us. God is with us. In the birth of Jesus, in His teaching, His miraculous power, His life, His death, and His resurrection, in the giving of His Spirit, and in the promises of a new creation already begun and yet to come, God is with us even now. My prayer for you is that wherever you are on that journey, that you will know that God is with you, that God loves you, and that God will always be with you. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you again for this night on which we remember the birth of a Savior, on which, which we remember that you became one of us, that you took on flesh and blood and made your dwelling among us. God, I pray for each of us here tonight, that we would be reminded of your goodness and love and mercy, that we'd be reminded of what we truly celebrate this evening. And for all, Lord, who might be here or joining us online, who have yet to come to know the goodness of the gift of Christ, Lord, would you 
draw us to that place? Would you reveal yourself to us? Would you make us aware of those places and points of joy in the days, the weeks, and the months ahead that we might all come to see you for who you are and know that you are not merely watching us, that you love us, that you're with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.